Well, it is now my privilege to welcome up our speaker for the morning. Uh, we have with us Craig Jatilla, who is from California. Uh, weather is a little different than there, um, than it is out here today. But uh, he'll probably talk more about that. But uh, Craig, uh, I, I first heard Craig at a conference that I went to in 2012 uh, where he uh, was very open and honest about his story, about uh, his relationship with his wife and, and family and how they kind of moved into a hectic lifestyle and how now they're pursuing a balanced and healthy lifestyle. And so uh, as we were talking about this series and talking about doing something families, my mind immediately ran to Craig. Um, he's got this book uh, that his wife and, and him wrote called From Hectic to Health. Uh, the Journey to a Balanced Life that is available out here uh, that you can purchase after the service if you want to. And he's actually got another book coming out called Faith in the Modern Family. Huh? Kind of fits our theme for the month. That works out well. But Faith in the Modern Family, and that's supposed to come out very soon. Uh, but uh, Craig is uh, a joy to have. He spoke with our staff and elders yesterday about marriage and spoke with our families last night about families. And this morning he's uh, coming to talk to us about moving from hectic to healthy. So let's give it up for Craig. Yeah, Justin uh, mentioned about the weather yesterday. I I didn't realize it was going to rain. And uh, I took a video kind of outside the car and uh, I sent it to my wife and said, hey, you know, it's, it's raining. And she just texted me back a picture of the beach uh, and said 78. That's all it said. So, you know, whatever uh, for, for them. So, no, uh, but excited to be here and excited to bring you this topic today, especially as it relates to uh, marriage and, and family, if you have kids. And it's this idea of how do we say stop in a world that says go? We have all these pressures on us, right? And one of the things that we deal with in a modern family, I think, is uh, we have too many choices, Years ago, there weren't that many choices. Now we have all of these choices. And so what happens is we kind of fill our calendars and not always knowingly fill our calendars. It's just kind of the way life is. So how do we say stop in a world that says go? I I do have some experience with this, and it's um, uh, through a life that was just really lived in a hectic environment for a long time that I created. And so uh, I can remember uh, a staff meeting that I had with my team And there was about 30 of us in this meeting. We had it at somebody's house, and we started at 9, and we would usually end at 12 or 12.30. So uh, it was big staff meeting uh, on Mondays every Monday. So we had this meeting, and I have a tendency to be uh, 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 very enthusiastic about things, kind of high-energy driven, you would say, type A personality. You guys familiar with this uh, kind of personality, right? So that was me. Oh, excited all the time. So rev everybody up, and ideas are always coming, kind of a mile a minute. I'm writing down on napkins, ideas, just constant. So after the meeting, I got really excited about some other ideas that I had on the way back to the office. So I pulled into the Starbucks to get a Vente Quad non-fat caramel macchiato because there's nothing that an energetic person needs than, than espresso, right? So why not? Let's throw four in there on the way back to the office. So you have to picture this guy who was just running on adrenaline, coming in, wearing the briefcase, got the whole thing under the arm, carrying the macchiato. And when I walk into the office, I could see through one of my staff members' doors, they were sitting behind closed doors, and they were um, having like a party. They were super excited, laughing, joking. You know how like you look over and you go, wow, 
those people are having a great time. I want to go be a part of that. What's going on? So I kind of went over and, and clicked the door and pushed it open with my hip, and all of that energy, all of the excitement, all of the party fun just kind of stopped immediately, sucked out of the room because they turned and saw me, and literally it was, oh, that's good, and stopped, just froze. And there's that awkward feeling. If you read the room, have you ever walked into a room and you go, well, there's just, there's something going on. They didn't have to post it on the wall. I knew they were talking about me. They were saying something that they didn't want me to hear, and once they realized that now I was there, they were looking at each other like, how long have you been there? We didn't hear you come in. Did you hear what we were saying? And so I kind of prompted them and prodded them and said, hey, what were you guys talking about? Was it something? Wouldn't tell me. Finally, kind of the weakest person in the group, I focused on them. <laughs> Worked them, um, right? Finally, she says, we were talking about your nickname. I thought, okay, a nickname. Well, that's, that's not a big deal, right? How encouraging that somebody gives you a nickname. It's a kind of endearing thing. It's a friendship component. It's beyond relational. It's no, we're not formal anymore, right? It's kind of this very cool piece, kind of team members, right? I said, what was the name? She says, the name is Taz. We call you Taz. If you don't know the Warner Brothers character, the Tasmanian Devil, you probably know them best because this beast just spins around, doesn't speak, just spins around and cuts a path of chaos wherever he goes. Every once in a while, he'll stop and growl and then spin again. And that was my nickname, Taz. Awesome. How great is that? Fantastic. I was a little hurt by it. I went to my office, put my stuff down. I couldn't kind of engage the day. After about 30 minutes, I left my church office and went to a another office, our uh, Empowered Living, Empowering Kids office. And when I walked in there, apparently the gal who first saw me could see it on my face. She said, Craig, are you okay? I said, yeah. I said, I just kind of was hit with something. I just don't know what to do with it. She said, well, what? I said, I was at the office and they, they told me they have a nickname for me. And she goes, oh, Taz. <laughs> you know too? Who, who? Everybody knows. Everybody knows except me because Taz doesn't have time to stop, look someone in the eye, and hear what they have to say. We're too busy in life spin. And so I come with just a little bit of experience of living through putting my family in tough situations, really driving my wife to the point where she said, you know what, I just don't want to be here anymore. Not showing up at kids' events, all in the name of doing something else. For bigger, better, faster, stronger, how can we move quicker? And so how do we stay stop in a world that, that says go? And if you have notes or you want to take notes, there's just four things I want to talk to you about today. Four simple steps that we can take to move from this idea of being hectic to healthy. And if you're saying, well, I really don't know what it looks like, or I don't know what somebody looks like who is in spin, let me give you a couple of characteristics. Physically tired. Physically tired, irritable, frequently on edge, impatient with those around them, kind of that perpetual hurry pace, withdrawn socially, or desiring control because they want to control their world. 
And those were all a part of mine. In fact, I could add more to the list that they didn't put down. So these four things form an acrostic called stop. And the first one is slow down. That's the S, slow down. Now, one of the things that we talk about in this area of slowing down is this inner chaos we have. And, and gals, I'm going to talk to the guys in a second on our point O or point three. But let me just talk to you for a second because God has kind of wired you uh, this way. You have a unique ability to do multiple things at one time. And you would say, well, that's just being a mom. That's true. So, like, you can, you can be doing dinner and on the cell phone and helping somebody with homework while feeding the cat and watering the lawn. I mean, you, it's like you're, guys typically can't do it. It's not that we want, my wife's like, well, can you multitask? No, I'm an idiot. I, I can't. I don't know how, I try, and then I end up messing everything up. So I kind of have to do one thing at a time, right? But I take all these things that I can do one at a time and just stack them all together and then put more in. But gals, you have this ability to multitask, which I think is very hard in terms of dealing with stress. Let me kind of tell you what the science says. According to Dr. Archibald Hart, uh, multitasking is not only ineffective for learning, but scientists are now saying it produces significant stress. Kind of keeping multiple plates going at the same time increases your stress. Further research from Hart reveals a high level of multiprocessing and simultaneous multisensory inputting, all called multitasking, has destructive effects on the pleasure system of the brain. And research is coming out saying multitasking, it may help you to get more done, but it produces a lot more stress and it actually blocks some of the uh, brain uh, waves and uh, chemicals that produce a healthy pleasure system, N enjoying natural beauty instead of things that just kind of are constant. So this idea of multitasking, originally, it was a computer term. It was made just for computers because computers could do many things at once without causing the stress. So that's how it was used. It wasn't until uh, the 80s that multitasking was first used in human arenas. It, it was significantly a um, computer term. And, and we're not computers. We're relational. I like what Mark 6.31 says. Uh, Jesus said, Let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Now, I know what it's like. I, I have uh, two boys, Alec and Cameron. They're, they're going to be 16 here in a couple weeks. And we have a daughter, 14, Caramine. And she's going to be in high school next year. So I understand what it's like to have kids and multiple things, like you have a child maybe playing football, and then you have somebody playing baseball, and then somebody playing this, and somebody playing that, and I get off work at four, just in time to take our daughter to this, and then I got to pick up our son at this, and it's back and forth. It's constant, right? It's this hurried environment. How do we say no? How do we say stop in a world that says you got to do more? I remember when I played baseball, when I was younger, I would play baseball, and it went like 13 weeks, and check this out there was an ending, like the season ended. And then we would go, what are we going to do? Oh, okay, let's do this new, let's play basketball. And then we would play basketball for like nine weeks, and it ended. 
And then we would go play football, and it ended. You know what? Not anymore. Not anymore. Now, it's if you play soccer, you play soccer 24-7, 365. We have club teams that say, we got to play. I have a friend that has a trainer for his 8-year-old soccer player. And he ain't that good. He spends half the time chasing butterflies around the field. Your kid is not going to be, okay, the next Beckham. He's not, right? No, but we want to hire, we want to get our kids seven, eight, nine. Do you know what science is saying now? Our kids are lacking most. You know what it is? Playtime. Not constructed playtime. Free playtime. I was sharing with the staff yesterday. I, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would say, hey, go outside. And do what? I don't know. Play with a stick. Draw in the sand. I can remember. I didn't even have a car. I would just pretend like my hand was a car. No, not anymore. Why? Because we're doing the iPod. We're doing the whole thing, right? So how do we do this? How do we say stop when the world says go? Well, I think we need to take the words of Jesus. Let's, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. We have to slow down putting things in our life that will help us. The next thing is think ahead. This was really easy for me when it came to vision, mission, values, growing things, being involved in a church where it was progressive or a business that would be progressive. We kind of project out. I never did it with my family. And so the question that I would always ask when it came to my family life was, where am I at today? How's it going today? But when it came to business or anything like that, church and vision, it was like, where are we going to be in five years? So what if we took that question and applied it to our families? Where are we going to be in five years? See, for many years, I, I would go to kids' activities, my kids' activities, and they played soccer. Heaven forbid, in California, you don't play soccer when you're five, right? It was called uh, AYSO, American Youth Soccer Organization. It's very big on the West Coast. I called it uh, AYSO, all your Saturdays occupied. Because you would sit there all day and watch kids just kind of run around. Not particularly good soccer. We showed up because it's our kids, right? We're out there kind of having some fun. I grew resentment toward that. Just going, you know what? It'd be better if I could just be doing some work, something productive. I didn't realize that being in the presence of my kids alone would be productive. Think ahead. We talk about in our book this idea of seasons of life. Let me just give you a, kind of a four seasons. There's, there's single, no kids. Married, no kids. Married with kids. Single with kids. See, when you're single, no kids, you, you have a lot of time. Your time really doesn't affect anybody else. So in a sense, you have your own um, schedule. There's no responsibility for someone else. When you get married, if you live seasonally single, doing what you want, when you want, how you want, and you're married, there's going to be a disconnect. So you're seasonally married, but you're living seasonally single. What we say is you have to live according to your season. So you're married, you have responsibility for somebody. You're married with kids, now you have more responsibility. But usually we're starting to move up in an organization, we're getting up in, a, in an area or we're making a difference, however you want to put it. And so it propels us more. We have this thing called workaholism in our country. I don't know if you've heard of the topic. The, the topic, the word was not coined until the 70s when they took the word work and al alcoholic and put them together to form workaholic. 
Workaholism is an addiction, as described by most doctors, yet it is the only rewarded addiction in our country. Because when you are a workaholic, you don't, you don't necessarily select a recovery group. Because when you're a workaholic, you get a corner office, you get a bonus, you make more money, people like you, you get more notoriety. It's rewarded. So you have this rewarded addiction, and then a family that you come home to that is disconnected or neglected. And that's what I was doing to my family. It drove my family all the way to the point where we were going to divorce. It was just inevitable. I wasn't thinking ahead. I like what Psalms 127.2 says. It's useless for you to go to work so hard and work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. God gives rest to those he loves. Rest. It was hard for me to even say that word, rest. I didn't want to, I didn't want to slow down. Because what happens, workaholics eventually end up not addicted just to work, but to adrenaline that is caused from overwork. And Dr. Archibald Hart has done a lot of research on addiction to your own adrenaline. So the more you work, the more adrenaline it produces, the better you feel. The more you work, the more adrenaline it produces, the better you feel. It's a drug that your body manufactures and you can get stuck in adrenaline cycle. And I was smack dab in the middle of it. Rest was not a part of my choice. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do more. So this whole idea of thinking ahead. Uh, the O is open up. Now, I, I promised you gals that I was going to talk to the guys, and, and here it is for you. So slowing down, thinking ahead, opening up. I didn't think this was a part of my process to kind of living a balanced life or understanding what it looks like, but apparently telling others kind of about what you're in, kind of what you're going through is helpful. So my wife and I, she had been trying to get me to go to counseling for 15 years. We need to go to counseling. We don't communicate well. You have a problem. You work too much. We never see you. You guys probably never hear this in your house. This was a constant conversation. And I would say, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not doing bad things, it's doing good things. Here's a question you can discuss. Can doing more good bring more bad? Can doing more good things bring more bad things? Well, I think it depends on your season. If you're married with kids and living seasonally single with your time, yes, doing more will bring more bad. Because one day I found my wife's journal and I opened it up. And the first words I read were, I hate my husband. And it got worse, not better, from there. That was the best statement. As I read through it, I realized there was this gal who was living a single life with three kids. And her husband was neglecting her in favor of doing other things and being with other people. And so you change in life because you learn enough you want to or hurt enough you have to. And that hurt bad. So I ended up in counseling. But I didn't want to go to counseling. I thought counseling was for nuts. I don't want to go there. What if somebody sees me there? How embarrassing is that, right, for a guy? This idea of opening up, I'll give you an example. Gals, you have this tremendous ability to relationally connect. I wish, I wish we had it as guys. We, we simply don't. We can't multitask, and we, we don't connect quickly. Let me give you just, this happened a few months ago. We were at dinner. Five couples, it's 10 of us, we're all at dinner having a great time. 
And something occurred to me when one of the gals stood up, put her purse on her shoulder, and said, I need to go to the ladies' room. First of all, guys never get up anywhere and say, I got to go to the guys' room. When have you ever heard that? You never say it. You don't. So she gets up. Hey, I got to go to the ladies' room. And then this question, anybody want to go with me? (laughs) How wacky, guys. Next time. You're out, you're at the Chili's or something. Try this, try this. You're out with some couples. Get up, one of the guys, right? Mike, get up. Hey, I'm gonna hit the little boys' room and you guys wanna go with me? Say it loud enough for the rest of the restaurant to hear. They will kick you out. There's kind of a man code. You don't do that. Gals, it's just kind of natural. That wasn't the thing that got my attention. They left, they all went, they put their purses on, they carried their luggage, they went to the bathroom. They're gone. It's like five minutes. I didn't time it. This is a natural occurrence. It's not something, it's not an anomaly where you kind of go, whoa. The aha for me is they came back after about five minutes. Five minutes because all the appetizers were gone. We ate them all. We're not animals. We're not pigs. We ate them slowly, but they were gone long enough. They all come back together, which is is odd for me because, because they go, I don't know if, I don't know how many stalls are in there. That the timing is perfect, guys, right? They all go, they all come back. They don't leave one They don't leave anybody behind. They're all together. They come back to the table, and we're just having a discussion. I still am not alerted to the aha moment for me. We're talking this topic about the internet and how this one teenager was kind of targeted by some of her enemies at school on the internet, and they said some bad things and posted some inappropriate things. And so the conversation's going, and then one of the gals says, well, Kathy said, there's no Kathy at the table. There's not. And so I just, it just struck me. I just kind of a little of a mental lap around our group and then kind of the next, you know, who do we know? I just, Kathy who? I don't know. And so it just prompted me. I asked the question. I said, I'm sorry. It's kind of, I don't know. Who's Kathy? This is the true response I got. We just met her in the bathroom. <laughs> they just met Kathy in the bathroom. Absorb that. The gals are like, well, obviously. The guys are like, what? In the bath? They met Kathy in the bathroom, and now she is an authority on the topic. In our conversation, the bathroom Kathy, what, gals, seriously is going on in there? How can, guys do not talk in the bathroom. We rarely ask for directions if we're driving somewhere and we're lost. Heaven forbid we talk in the bathroom. I told the first service, I just blew it early. Before the service started, the previous service, I was in the restroom. And when I was walking out, I was fidgeting with something, looking down, and the guy opened the door and I bumped into him. And I said, I know, take it in, excuse me. And I was in the bathroom. I talked in the bathroom. Shame on me. Guys do not share anything in the bathroom. You go in, you get it done, you come out. That's it. Gals, they came back. They had her Facebook page. They had a Twitter account. They had a phone number, a cell number. They had it all. And now Kathy's an authority on the topic of internet and the whole... I, I said, I can't believe this. How is this possible? Well, the fact of the matter is, relationally, you guys are wired. I made a mistake one time. 
I don't know if you've done this. I, I walked into the wrong bathroom. I was at a conference. I walked into the wrong bathroom. It's like a, you know, it wasn't anything big time. I mean, it was just like a standard hotel. I walked into the bathroom. Guys, if you've never done this, um, it's worth a trip. <laughs> because they, they have furniture in there. It's, they have like a couch. There were women sitting on the couch talking in the bathroom. I had no idea that fellowship was going on in the toilet with the gals. But it's true. They're just in there having a good time. It's a party. And then they come back to us. That's why they're always so refreshed and vital when they come back from the bathroom. They're like, oh, I can deal with you guys again, right? They've had some time <laughs> together. But they relationally connect. One of the things for me is relationally, I would not connect. Heaven forbid I stop to ask for directions. Heaven, heaven forbid I tell somebody that I'm driving my marriage into the ground. Right? Hey, no one can relate to that. No one can relate to the unhealthy poor choices I'm making with work and driving my family just kind of into the ground. So we paid somebody to go to counseling. We paid them to listen to us. And for the first five months, I wish I could tell you it just got amazing. It was better. First four to five months, it got worse. It was like ripping a Band-Aid off a scab. Just started bleeding all over again. It was terrible. And then on top of that, I didn't want to be seen. Here's what the Lord says. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be Healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. You see that first part, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed? The, the language there is physically healed. That's the way it's talking. It's not uh, necessarily emotional healing or anything like that, although that's a part of it. It's physically healed. I will tell you, I have dealt with like canker sores in my mouth for years. And I would get five, six, seven of them at a time. My temperature would go up, and the doctors would always say, it's stress-related, it's stress-related. And I said, okay, whatever. And I would just kind of live with it. After I kind of opened up and shared with our counselor uh, and brought some friends into my circle that could keep me accountable and on track, I've had two canker sores in the last five or six years. There is some connection to opening up, confessing, who you are to other people, confessing your sins, and healing. Now, the idea of opening up, guys, it really is uh, a resolve that you have to come to. And my wife, after all those years trying to get me to go to counseling, I said I wouldn't go because I was going to be seen. I was scared to go. And we ended up going, and it saved my life, it saved our marriage, it saved our family. So, whether it's with a counselor or with a friend, with a buddy, you've got to open up because someone needs to keep you accountable for a healthy life pace. So how do you learn to stop in a world that says go? Specifically for us guys, we've got to be more vulnerable with who we are with our life so that we can move forward with what God has for us. And then the last one, the P, is pause often. Pause often. Uh, when we go somewhere with our kids, the two most frequent questions I get are, what time is it? And what time will we get there? 
What time is it? What time will we get there? What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Caramite. What time is it? Dad, what time is it? Caramite. It's five minutes after the time you asked me the first time that you asked me. We're just, they're concerned with time. I, I wish I was as concerned with time. This idea of seasons of life and choosing the season that you're living in to live healthy if you are married with kids, you cannot live that seasonally single life because it will eventually run your family into the ground. Here's what Deuteronomy 5.12 says. Observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God commanded us. Uh, Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties, kind of doing work and stuff, uh, and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord. I used to think the word Sabbath, because that's a funny-looking word, uh, I used to think that, like, meant errands. Like, that was the day for errands. Get all your stuff done, right? Because we work, and then we have the weekend, and you go, well, what do you got to do? Well, I got to do more stuff. I got to keep the house up. I got to do this. Kids here, kids there. (sighs) When do we... When do we just stop? When do we say, yeah, I I need to rest? Uh, A friend told me a long time ago, Craig, um, you know, God created you last. He didn't create you on day one. He doesn't need your opinion. If he needed your opinion, he would have created you on day one, and you guys could have had a conversation. He created you last for a reason. He has everything under control. We need to pause. We need to rest. The, The word Sabbath actually means to cease or to stop to take a rest. So how do we do that in this world that says go? How do we say stop? It's literally calendaring it. I have all my appointments on my calendar, but I didn't have anything with my family on my calendar. And it felt a little world when I, weird when I started saying, okay, spend time with my family. And you block and you go, well, that feels very appointment-esque. But it works because I didn't block anything else in that time. One of the things that we have in our family at dinner that we've started building in after we've kind of made it through counseling is dinner together. There was a study that was done that said, what makes families successful, right? It was a secular study. You know what they came up with? Presence of father in the home. Number two, dinner together. So we had dinner together. It was like pulling teeth. It was terrible. It was out of control. Dad, why? kids make these sounds, right? And they just kind of, it's like they're just, oh, like we're, like we're torturing them. We're going to have dinner as a family. Oh, please. Seriously? We're having dinner as a family? What? What do you want? What do you want to know? What? It was a nightmare for like a month, right? Now we look forward to it. If you can kind of wade through it, kids come around. They want that time together. It's an investment time. Sitting just simply in the family's presence. One of the rules that we have at our table at dinner is when family is on, everything else is off, including Monday Monday night football, including hockey, baseball, anything that I want to watch, and cell phones. Off. When family's on, everything else is off. So we need to figure out this pause often. Now, let me end with this. As we kind of journeyed through our counseling, my greatest fear kind of came unpacked one day when I got uh, really, um, I felt attacked by our counselor in the counseling setting. I I wasn't. I just felt that way. And I got mad. And and usually our counselor would say, you know what, why don't you go out the back door so then people won't see you? He was very gracious. And we were part of a church that was a large church. And I didn't want people to see me and go on a prayer list or whatever we wanted to call it. I didn't want people to go, oh, Craig and Mary? having problems. 
they're serious, I think their marriage is going to fall apart. I walked out, and there's a gal. She's in the lobby. If you've ever been to counseling, it's a tiny little lobby. It's very awkward. We walk out. She looks up and says, oh, Pastor Craig, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. That's why we're in counseling. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you very much. We stopped in to use the restroom. So my wife wanted to see somebody uh, here. Uh, I got worse. Can you imagine? I got livid. Thank you very much. I kind of clenched my jaw, walked out into the parking lot, and we proceeded to get into an argument in the parking lot. That's where it hit the low point for me. We're in an argument as a husband and wife in the parking lot of the counseling center. We, we didn't have the argument in the camp. We took it outside. It spilled over into the parking lot for everybody to see, right? And then we got in separate cars and went home. We came back the next week for our routine Tuesday 2.15 appointment. We had the appointment. I figured somebody already saw us. I'm walking out the front. Same gal, same spot. She jumps out of the chair when she sees us and comes over and gives us a hug. She said, I want to thank you guys. I said, for what? She said, you know, every week I come to counseling. Every week I come. My family won't come. They think it's for weird people, so they will not come in. But every week they drive me to counseling, and then they wait in the car. In the parking lot. I said, oh, were they here last week? Yeah, yeah, they were here. They saw you and Mary come out. Okay, great. Fantastic. She broke down, started crying. She said, you know, after my appointment, I got in the car. They said they saw you guys come out. And you know, around our dinner table that night, we were having a conversation, and they said, you know, we've been thinking about it, and we were talking after we saw Craig and Mary. And you know what? If Craig and Mary can go to counseling, then we can go to counseling. And their whole family got into counseling because they saw two people who they thought had it together, but really didn't. And it opened up for them an opportunity to seek help. So God's power, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, is made perfect in weakness. I know enough about you without knowing you that you're all messed up. And I'm all messed up. Because that's the world we're born into. If you can extend out and learn to stop in a world that says go by slowing down, thinking ahead, opening up, and pausing often, you can bring health and healing and a great life pace to your family. And what a gift as well. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for these folks. I pray, Lord, those that have family, that you would um, cause them to think about your word, words that are spoken uh, to bring health, healing uh, into their families. Father, those that are just doing a fantastic job have a tremendous uh, balance to their life and sense about them. God, I thank you. I pray that they were validated this morning. And God, for all of us, whether we're expecting kids, we have kids, or we uh, have kids by way of being a grandparent, Lord, that you would cause each one of us to think about health and what it means to make a difference in family. In Christ's name, amen.